This is a Media 8 production. This podcast may have explicit themes and swearing and may not be suitable for children. We had been here 10 years and no other brewery had opened. We had to move. And so, like I said, about year seven, we started planning to move. So, you know, it takes a little while to move a brewery. And, of course, it takes time to have get the equipment made and manufactured and then, then shipped and then, then installed. So we had to build a whole new brewery from scratch again. And it wasn't until after we were already in our new facility, maybe even a year after that, someone opened up. The world is full of amazing people. And once a week, I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum, and this is Awesome Humans. What do you get when you cross a laid-back Hawaiian brewmaster with a former Aussie corporate finance lawyer? Burley Brewing Co. Today's Awesome Human is brewmaster Brennan Fielding, a pioneer for the craft beer movement on the Gold Coast. Brennan was born to brew. It's the only real job he's ever had, and he's passionate today about the process of creating the perfect brew as he was the day he began. Rumour has it that the brewmaster Brennan was born on the floor of an old alehouse, and when he came kicking and screaming into the world, he refused his mother's bosom and instead reached his tiny newborn hand towards a schooner of lager left on the nearby table. I'm excited, and now extremely thirsty, to hear about how Brennan's Burley Brewing Company transformed the Gold Coast brewing scene into one of the most vibrant and thrilling brewing businesses in the country. I'm even more excited that this is the man that invented my favourite beer, the Big Head Lager. And the reason that is because it's zero carbs and it has a picture of a person with an enormous head on the front, which my brother actually says looks very similar to myself, which is not very nice, but I understand where he's coming from. Welcome, Brewmaster Brennan. How are you, mate? Hey, how's it going? That was a funny intro. You like that? Is that all right? Like uh, going for the uh, the lager. The lager. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. That's what we're here for. Oh, man. <laughs> so, mate, the way I like to always start these <clears throat> is by going back and asking what your first ever memory was. How far back can you go? Oh, like. Like back, back. Back. Oh, geez. Um, I would say it was when we lived in Kailua which is, uh, is on the east side of the island of Oahu. And um, I'm, we must have moved there when I was three or two and a half. Yeah. And I can remember playing in our front yard. And we had a couple of chickens, Penny, Penny, and Rooster, Brewster. <laughs> and those chickens would peck my legs. Oh. And it was very, nice. it was very, I don't know. Traumatic? Just, yeah, traumatic for me. But that was, um, yeah, so we lived in Kailua from, I guess, right, right before I was three till I was about five before we moved over to Waikiki. Okay. And uh, So where were you born? I was born in California. Okay. Uh, in the Bay Area, uh, but moved over to Hawaii with, obviously, with the family when I was eight months old. Okay. So that was in 1967. Was that for work? They moved to Hawaii? Yeah, my, my father was a architect. My mother was a marine biologist. Uh, they had gone to the same university. Uh and met and then uh my sisters had already been born um and then i came along how many siblings do you just one one older sister okay what's her name emily emily oh cool and so you moved to uh this place when you were three no no i moved to hawaii when you were how old eight Eight months eight months and where'd you go and we lived in lanakai where's lanakai lanakai is on the east east side of oahu as well okay it's right on the beach yep and then kailua is just a little back in from the beach and yeah. do you remember those times? Like, I re- well, I remember Kailua quite. Obviously, with the chickens pecking on the yeah, legs. Yeah, the chickens. You know, I remember my crushing beer cans 
with my dad. Yeah. My dad used to buy this beer called Primo Beer. And um, there was somehow, somehow we crushed cans. Yeah. Or collected bottles and he would fill up the van. He had a VW van and you could take them back and recycle them. And get, and cash. get, your, get your cash back. Yeah. And I remember that very vividly. And, um, and we built a, a new, or not we, but he, my dad built a new deck on the back of the house and we had many parties back there. And was that all off the B-can money? Uh, I <laughs> seriously doubt it, but um, it was probably, a, a, you know, architect, architectural friends, marine, marine biologists, yeah. associates. And things like that. Um, so as a marine biologist, what mom do on the island? Well, she, um, at the time, she was uh, working at, um, on a place, well, several places, University of Hawaii, Coconut Island, um, and some other places I can't quite remember, uh, Waikiki Aquarium, and doing marine biology work. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, she ended up uh, writing uh, several books okay. on marine biology and also then taking scuba diving tours around the pacific wow and i when i was older and i got to be scuba diving um then i went on multiple ones of those and had a great time diving awesome the pacific so where did you go to school where was your first school first school was alawai elementary which is uh just in waikiki Uh and so from the time i was kindergarten until sixth grade, yeah, that was there. And do you remember those times? Oh yeah, were you Very, a good yeah. student? Uh, I was. Um, I think when I was younger, till I was about fourth grade, I was probably an okay student. Yeah, from fourth grade on, I think my grades really dropped. And why was that? Because I have very bad parents. Okay. And they did not take me to the optometrist. Oh, dear. To get my eyes checked. Oh, there you go. And I was sitting in the back of the class, squinting. Couldn't see anything. And couldn't see a thing. Oh, dear. And it wasn't until at the end of sixth grade when my grades were so poor and um, I had seen a lot of um, uh, tutors. Yeah. That someone suggested that I go get my eyes checked. (laughs) You think the teacher would have noticed this kid in the back of the class. (laughs) Especially for two years. (laughs) Winting. And you never said anything, obviously. Well, I didn't know I had a bad eyes. I didn't even know. But I uh, got, got some glasses, and then, uh, then we moved over to Maui. Uh, I started seventh grade over there. Um, and everything, went, everything came good. So it was the eyes all along. It was the eyes. Wow. Jeez. So in, uh, you went to Maui for, for, the, for high school? Yeah, for high school. So my mom, uh, my mom and dad got a divorce. Uh, they split up. My mom um, went over and taught a marine biology at uh, a private school mm-hmm. that and part of that was so my sister and i could go to a private, private school, school yeah. and get out of the public education system in hawaii which is not considered to be great okay and, and is it the same education system all across the states or is it like state-based uh you know i, I don't know okay because the only place i ever went to school was, was hawaii, hawaii. <laughs> but private was better than yeah public. private was better than public and um so we went there um and Oh, I can't remember. Maybe 10th grade. I got kicked out of the school we were at for being a, a crappy kid. Uh, so 7 to 10 wasn't good? Well, 7 to 10 was fine, but somewhere along there, I got with, had friends that were influencing me. Oh, and they were a bunch of, you know, rat bastards. Yeah, yeah, very cool. And uh, kicked out of one school, went to another school, didn't like that school, went back to another school. Um, went to another school, got kicked out of that school, 
This is all in the tenth grade. No, I, I ended up ended up uh, middle of eleventh. Yeah, um, got my got my um, uh, education diploma through a state based testing thing, mm-hmm. and um, and I left that. And knowing that I had problems in school, I didn't. It's not that I didn't like learning. I just had maybe it was the age thing. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, did a bunch of other things and. When I, I moved over to California, where I had some uh, family in the Bay Area. How old were you there? Uh, moved there when I was 17 mm-hmm. and a half. So you're on your own? Yep. You moved over? Yep. yep. And, and got, a, got a job. Uh, and then after about a year, I, I enrolled into a community college. Mm-hmm. And I took night classes. And I, I continued that education. I went to math, English, um, I can't remember what else. And were you forced to do that, or nope. did you choose? Oh to do no, that? that's I wanted to continue that. Okay, education. So you got away from the bad influences. Yeah, and then realized actually I do want to be educated. Yeah, and then I then I uh, I I kind of lost direction. Didn't know what I wanted to do, and so I I stopped going to that school or, or college, and worked some more. Mm-hmm. And then my dad influenced me to go and study. Uh, to be a professional engineer. I went, oh, that's, you know what? Actually, I love that. That's a good idea. That's Let's a, do that. Yeah. And so I started, I went back to the university and uh, was there for three and a half years um, and really just fell in love uh, again with chemistry, yeah, physics, engineering. And I think I was pretty good at it. Uh, at least that's my memory. <laughs> All the stuff you didn't want to do when you were at school. <laughs> And, uh, and then I was going, you know, I think, uh, I know that not that long from, you know, getting a graduation certificate and then, and going on and doing some at work, but I got a job at a brewery. So, I which went, is obviously heaven, which is what, which is funnily enough, what it is kind of, I took up as a hobby in 1986, I took up brewing and had been brewing for a number of years. How old were you then? In 86, I was, I would have been 19. Okay. 86. Yeah, yeah. And were you brewing because you were too young to drink and you thought you could actually brew and then have a beer? No. Why were you brewing? Because, uh, well, my father in the late 50s, when he was at university, uh, would brew beer. Okay. And he, well, my whole life growing up, he'd tell me about it. Okay. <laughs> he'd say, oh, yeah, I used to brew beer. Back in the day, back son. Back in the day. <laughs> And that was, um, and that was a, it turns out, I mean, that was a part, one part of an influence in my life that, um, really, you know, pushed me into the direction of beer. The other part along, again, I'll blame my dad, is that, um, he, he would always bring back a different six pack. Okay. To the house. Mm-hmm. So he'd be drinking this beer or that beer and, uh, especially when the, actually when the Primo Brewery shut down then he started to get more and more uh beers and for, was there that many different beers back then oh yeah there was because uh the hawaii was importing uh beers from all over the place okay and he had, and my father was um uh working in san francisco as an architect and was drinking anchor steam back in 1965 oh okay and he'd tell me all about that yeah. oh we were drinking anchor steam <laughs> <laughs> and you know if you look at if you look at anchor steam uh, that was, it wasn't the original 
craft beer brewery. Yeah. But certainly for the West Coast, it was. Okay. There was other breweries on, on the East Coast that had, had never stopped working, even though there was First World War, Prohibition, Second World War. They were still continuing on. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the West Coast, uh, this, you know, this brewery that it was almost defunct a, a month or a week away from shutting down due to financial reasons, got purchased up by um, an entrepreneur yep. and, and got to be successful. Become like a craft brewery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. And then it wasn't, it really, it wasn't for another 15 years that someone else decided to put a craft brewery together. Uh, and that was in 1980 or 1981. So what defines a craft brewery? Well, back then, maybe, maybe it was, um, well, by then, uh, most breweries around, at least in the U.S., were brewing with adjuncts, which are, we call it rice or corn. Yeah. Um, and so they're not brewing just with malted barley. Okay. And so they're, what they're doing is they're adding cheap ingredients to take flavor away from the beer and put more money to the bottom line. Okay. And then they would add in, instead of adding hops in, they would add in these things that are uh, fractionalized chemical compounds that are bittering substance. Okay. And, and then they'd brew them at 8% um, alcohol or 7% alcohol, and then they'd water them down with carbonated water to 5%. Oh, wow. Okay. Isn't, isn't that interesting? Uh, yeah, very much the, so. the, the, All the things that you never wanted to know about industrial beer. Yeah. And that, and the guys that were, the, you know, these forefathers, the, the uh, Sierra Nevada and the uh, uh, Ankerstein, they're going, oh, no, we're not doing that. We're putting in real hops. We're putting in only malted barley. We're going to use yeast that enhances flavor. And we're going to put in malted barley that, you know, gives some depth of color mm. and some real character. And we're going to bring back a style that hasn't been around for 100 years. We're going to, we're going to make porters and we're going to make IPAs and we're going to make um, pale ales mm-hmm. and, and these things that have not been around because of the, uh, the Prohibition and, and World War II where there's rations. Yeah, yeah, okay. And everyone had to tighten their belt and, and not make authentic beer for one reason or another mm-hmm. you know some of it's bottom bottom line some of it's um lack of um the raw materials yeah uh some of it's technology going hey if we can you know do it this way and make it cheaper we can make more money we make more money mm-hmm. so hey, isn't that amazing all those years ago that um craft beer was a thing i never knew that yeah and so when i started brewing in 86 there was I can't even remember the exact number. It's something like 100 or 150 breweries in the U.S. Wow. And by and, – and all my friends knew that I drank craft beer or made craft – or made – actually, probably at that home. time. We're making – it's, it's yeah. more like we're making homemade beer. So back then, you wouldn't have had like all these ready-to-go home brew kits and things like that. So you did no. – have to sort of get creative and yeah. do all that yourself. Yeah, and then but I had a friend uh, going to university up at in Chico State, and she said, "Come on up here, and and there's a brewery right here in the town." I was like, <laughs> "Oh, I'm coming up." So I drove up to to the Chico State, and then and then of course there's in San Francisco there's the San Francisco Brewing Company, which uh-huh. had been around, um, I think around since like so it must have been about eighty five. Yep. Um, and so and so that was a fun place to go. And then um, there's other places around San Francisco, and they seem to be popping up. 
and you would just go, okay, we're going here now because they make beer and it was exciting. Yeah, well, of course. So, like it is these days. That's right. <laughs> it's funny it's come back. When um, further down the line, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm going to do a big jump. Yeah. From uh, working at the first my first brewery job, my first professional brewery job was at a German brewery in 1994. And what what was your job? My job was brewing. So you're actually brewing. Yeah. Yep. And and then if I jump forward to to the year 2000 when my wife and i owned our first brewery mm-hmm. there was 2500 breweries in the u.s so you wow go 110 the, in 86 that's right to 2500 in, in 2000 in 14 years wow yeah that's insane that is now tw- 19 years later yeah there's 7,000 breweries in the u.s isn't that amazing? So it so it's just been this almost this juggernaut. Yeah. That started with, you know, a couple of breweries, what is that, fifty five years ago. Yeah. To something just that's just <laughs> seven thousand insane. And when, when we moved in two thousand and two, when we moved here back to Australia, my wife obviously is from Australia, moved back here, there was um 30 breweries, less than 30 breweries. Yeah, and there was a couple of big main ones that, that pretty much did. Well, yeah, and, they the were, and most of them, and some of them had like three or four plants. So mm-hmm. that's in, included in that 30 number. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, so let's go back to the first brew job. Yeah. You, you become a, so how do you, how do you get that? Like, because obviously you've been brewing at well, home. So I went to. Are uh, you qualified? Um, n- yes and no. Okay. Um, the Because I had been brewing. For so long, yeah, like something like eight years, um, I knew the the science in and out. Mm-hmm. I knew all the technical aspects of fermentation, um, the physics, of fluid transfer, the chemistry of fermentation, um, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'd never been hands on in a in a large brewery. Yeah, okay. but so you have. But my mind was. I walked in the brewery, the guys are showing me around, showing me the technique. Everything dropped into place. I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. And this is what I want to do. Isn't it amazing when you get that feeling? Yeah. That you know, like you would have went through life, like we all do, thinking, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And then went back to school and you're going to be an engineer yeah. and all that. And then actually the thing you love you end up doing yeah that's pretty awesome isn't it yeah and so uh, after training with the the head brewer for basically two months yeah i was given my own shifts yeah and so what was that brewery called gordon biersch gordon biersch yep and what sort of beer did they make all three types of beer yeah the light beer the medium colored beer and the dark beer (laughs) fair enough no so it was a german brewery and very traditional german beer brewing things they they did a um, a a light beer, which was their one was called an export. Export's mm-hmm. originally from this town called Dortmunder. Okay. And the Dortmunder beer in the eighteen hundreds was so good they exported it. Oh, there you go. Uh, so <laughs> pretty complicated. Um, they did another beer called Merzen, which mm-hmm. is a, a medium amber beer. Yep. Or w- the, the, that brewery always also like to refer to it as a coppered colored beer because amber is an ale. Yeah. And copper is more of a lager kind of thing. Um, and Mertzen means brewed in March. 
So okay. they they would brew it in March, yeah, and then it would be served in October. Okay. The very traditional old German things. You store, fest, all that stuff. Yeah, you store that beer in caves mm-hmm. for six months. It matures. Then you serve it in a drinking, you know, at a, at a drinking festival mm-hmm. because you're not allowed to brew in the summer. Oh, right. There's okay. a law. Really? Did you know? No, I knew all of this, of course. <laughs> why? Why wouldn't you? What was that law for? Because um, you pour. You sorry. You uh, brew uh, poor quality beer in warm months. Oh, okay. And so I can't remember the exact dates, but like from April something mm-hmm. to late September, you could only brew wheat beers, which were an ale, an ale naturally brewed at higher fermentation temperatures anyway. <laughs> and they they had a very short fermentation time and you served them very quick. So wow. they, didn't, they didn't have time to spoil. Yeah, okay. And every other time of the year is that you'd... You could brew, but then you'd have to store that beer in the caves, of you know, the ice caves, yeah. if you wanted to drink it at another time. Isn't that amazing? And then refrigeration came around. Yeah, and, and changed and everything. And then changed everything. So your first job at a brewery, how long were you there for? Oh, I would say not quite a year. Not quite a year. Okay, what, what happened? Because I got poached. Did you? Another brewery on another island had just lost their brewmaster. Mm-hmm. One of the girls who um, was a cocktail server, or, you know, a, a, a beer... Pourer? Pourer. <laughs> Let's go person. there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Waitress. Had moved, had moved back to Maui. Okay. And she was working at the Shark Tooth Brewing Company. The, uh, the brewer that was there had moved on, and she goes, oh, I know the, this awesome brewer over in Hawaii at Gordon Biersch. And let's see if he's available. And and then I was. <laughs> of course. And you become the brewmaster. Yeah, the, so that's exactly right. And yeah, then you yeah. Kinda, so you take, I took over their existing recipes. Mm-hmm. And of course, you you know, you make five beers and then you get to rotate one, one other beer. Yeah. You know, whatever you come up with. And so they had their set recipes, which was fine. And I brewed there. Um, and I was probably there for another year. And then... Um, I got a job back on Oahu okay. with this new upstart brewery. And so I got poached back to Oahu. <laughs> I was like, yes. So I, that's where you wanted to that's, be. I, yeah, I really, I, I love Oahu. So is that home? Yeah, yeah. I would say because that's, that's kind of my spiritual home. I don't yeah, know. Fair enough. Um, and we're still single at this stage? Yes. Okay. We're going back to brewery number three. Brewery number three. And so. What was that called? Uh, Brew Moon. Brew Moon. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Yes. And the, um, I think that's the whole, the whole play yeah, on I'm it good. was that. <laughs> and the, uh, um, we got over there and. As a brewmaster? Uh, yeah, I was going to mm-hmm. be a brewmaster. And they go, okay, um, our project's been put back three months. Oh dear. And I went, oh crap. Okay, so I just got another I got another job, uh, I don't know, pound, pounding nails on a construction site or something. Yeah. And then three months later, they go, the project's nine months off. Oh dear. I was like, okay. And in that time, I was so I'm back on Oahu. I met PETA. Mm-hmm. And um uh, and we date for two months. How'd you meet? We met at a party. Yeah. Introduced or you just No, no, sort of... just 
How you doing? Walked up to her, yeah. <laughs> well, she was drinking uh, champagne out of a beer mug. Love it. So you need to some cloth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got to know that girl. <laughs> and uh, so, we ha- so we're at a party. It was mutual friends. She had it, she was she was studying her third university degree, which happened to be a master's of business. She was there with a bunch of university people. There's a bunch of open ocean water canoe paddling people, a bunch of triathlon people, and that was our crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, I and did, what were you at the time? I was doing everything. Okay, I was uh, triathlons, open ocean sailing, mm-hmm. six man canoe, outriggering. I have a crack at everything. Uh, I was you know Monday. Through Sunday, yeah, it was you're flying to this island doing that, and you're working then, and then you got to go to a practice at seven <laughs> o'clock at night, and then you got to go to this other practice on this other day. It was just jam packed, you know, living the Hawaiian life in your late twenties. Love it. It was very, you know, suntanny and active. Yeah, and, and you hanging out with some real cool people doing cool things. Awesome. So I met her, and uh, we started dating. And two months into it, I proposed to her. Two months. Two months. You knew. Is it? Awesome. And she said yes. And, but two months later, she was leaving for Japan. Oh, dear. And she had to go to Japan. And, and the thing was, her university degree what, was a Japan-focused master's of business. So all the um, subjects were in Japanese. Okay. So she was also fluent in Japanese. That's handy. Yes. And so, but there's a three-month internship in Japan that you had to go to. As part of the degree. As part of the degree. Yep. That kind of finished you off, and they had the graduation ceremony in Japan. And, and I kind of thought, oh, I can, I can handle three months, you know, and she'll be back. Two weeks into it, she's gone. She calls me up crying, mm. going, get over here. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still pounding nails at yeah. this time because the other, the other job's delayed. Yeah, and yeah. I go, and so I contacted Brew Moon. I said, hey. When are you guys going to think about opening? And they're going, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a while. Yeah. I went, oh, okay. Well, I'm going to Japan, and I'll st- we'll stay in touch. And so I get over. I so I I pack up my house in, inside of a shed. Give my give my uh, pickup truck to a friend. Yeah. Um, put my motorcycle in storage. I don't know, and and just leave. And go. The plan is you go in there for three months. Yeah. 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 Anyway, we ended up staying there for about nine months. Yeah. And we lived in Japan, and I worked at a brewery uh, called the Shinano Brewing Company mm-hmm. up in Nagano, which is where we were living, which is where the Winter Olympics were. And her um, end of her internship yep. was at doing the organizing committee at the Winter Olympics. Oh, lovely. Yeah. And uh, along with working at the brewery, I got a job with CBS and Sports Illustrated, mm-hmm. uh, driving the photographers <laughs> from location to location. Great job. And every time we went, I had a press pass, and I watched the snowboarding, oh, or nice. I watched the downhill, <laughs> or I watched the hockey, or <laughs> whatever. Best Olympics ever. Yeah. So I went to, I probably went to 50 sports Wow. in uh, the two, two and a half weeks. Yeah. And PETA went to about three, because she was stuck in an office. <laughs> Honey, guess what I saw? <laughs> I bet and, you're in the good books. <laughs> and with uh, Sports Illustrated and and um, and CBS, I got a car. So <laughs> perfect job. Yeah, it was great. And then when that was uh, that two weeks was over, then kind of went back to the brewing. And then 
I would spend uh, some nights. Um, the The brewery had three restaurants, mm-hmm. and they they had themes. One was a Japanese theme. The other one was a Korean barbecue theme. The other one was Mongolian or something. As you do. And yeah. so each one of them served the beer. And so I would get there and I'd go behind the bar, pour beers for six hours a night mm-hmm. and make more money. And we just saved up all of our money uh, and then moved back to uh, Oahu. So was during this whole time, are you sort of, you're planning the rest of your life. So you're planning, okay, where are we going to live what are we going to do? Yeah, we agreed. All so, that sort of stuff. so um, uh, originally, it was Pete and I planned our wedding. We decided to get married in Australia in Brisbane, mm-hmm. and we were going to say it's going to be thirty people, and then Peter's mother got involved. <laughs> the three hundred and fifty. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> it was not not that many, but I think it was about one hundred and thirty. Yeah. Um, Always happens, mate. And then we, um, so we went back to Hawaii. Checked in with the Brew Moon guys. Mm-hmm. They're still They're not happening. still not happening, which is fine. Gave us time. We socked away a lot of money. Um, came over to Bris- uh, uh, Australia. Spent two months here driving up and down the coast mm-hmm. into Canberra, down to Victoria. Yep. And um, stopping by. Was that your first ever trip to Australia? Yep. Okay. Yes, that was... That was... It was... 98. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what did you think of it? Oh, it was fun. So let's go back a long time just for a sec. When did yeah. you first surf? Uh, well, we lived on – well, I got pictures of me on the board in Lanakai when, when I'm one year old. With that? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But not, not necessarily surfing, but on a board. Yeah, yeah. And then when growing up in Waikiki, we, ha- we lived on a boat. In on the boat? in okay. the Alawai Yacht Harbor, yeah, which was on the water, mm-hmm. and you walked out to the break wall, and you jumped in the water, and, and there was waves, and there was waves. <laughs> That's just heaven. Yeah, <laughs> nice way to start life. <laughs> yeah, so we surfed out there, uh, and of course we 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 bicycled, we skateboarded, we surfed. I can't remember what other things we had. Oh, yeah. uh, we had sailboats. Yeah, just live the outdoor life. Yeah, and 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 the uh, the kid. That's sorry, the uh, harbor was full of what we called harbor rats. Mm-hmm. And so there was 20, maybe 30 kids my age. And it was, and we all went to the school, the same school or, yeah. or, or close by schools, but we all came back and played in the harbor. Yeah. Just stubbing toes, getting the rat traps on your bicycle slammed into your shins, <laughs> uh, getting, um, getting infection from the Vana or the, you know, the sea urchins in, yeah, the, yeah. in the ocean. Just all, all the stuff could. All kids should actually do. That's yeah. what I believe. So I went to Hawaii my first time last Christmas. I oh, absolutely yeah. loved it. And yeah. and it was uh, – we, we obviously were tourists and we stayed at Turtle Bay Resort and then we went oh, yeah. down to Waikiki and, and we did that. And uh, and it was amazing. And my one of my ambitions in life was to sit at Pipeline on Christmas Day, eat a sandwich and watch the, the surfs. Oh, yeah. It was one of the best Would days Would have been huge. Life. It was massive. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And so I I got to – Witnessed that, and I was one of the one of the highlights. The thing I found is that I also grew up on a very small beach town on the central coast of New South Wales, and everyone always told me Hawaii is very much like Australia, mm. and I found it was sort of, but not really. So when you're doing your coastal trip, um, when you first come come here, what are you expecting? Are you expecting a bigger version of Hawaii, or did you ever have any expectations? I had zero expectations. Okay, I had. 
didn't know anything about Australia. Um, it was never on your radar to come and visit or surf here? It it never was. Isn't that amazing? I, mm. I can't say that Australia was ever one of those places that I was destined to be. Yeah. Because I never, it wasn't on my, you know, I'd been, I, at that, by that time, I'd been all around the Pacific. Tahiti, Guam, Ponape, Palau, Solomons, uh, Vanuatu, um, uh, where's that? Uh, I can't remember the other one. One north of Tahiti. Maldives? No. But anyway. Um, anyway, been all around. Yeah. And I just had no, I just didn't think I was going to go to a big continent. Okay. It was all island. Because you're an island boy. Yeah. It's all <laughs> I get that. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that amazing? So when, you, when you've done your big tour, you've done your big trip, and uh, so that was two months you spent doing that up and down the coast? Yep. Okay. And in that time, got married. Um, and then uh, right after that, well, we, we uh, honeymooned up on the Sunshine Coast, and then after that, uh, went back to Hawaii, got a place to live mm-hmm. as a married couple. Yep. And uh, I Probably had to get another job pounding nails or something just to bide my time. So it was what happened with Brew Moon? It was all over? No, oh, no. So, happen? so they said, okay, we're ready to go. Uh-huh. Um, went down and saw the construction. They were actually, the brewery was under construction. And they said, we're going to send you out to the East Coast to where the mother company is. Yeah. And we're going to watch you to go to our six breweries out there and do training. Mm-hmm. I went, Fantastic. So I got six weeks out on out in Boston mm-hmm. and went to their six breweries and kind of got a hold of their culture and uh, brewed a lot of beers with, you know, all the guys and girls. Yep. Um, and, and over there, we designed some beer recipes f- specifically for Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And we, um, uh, six weeks later, came back and kind of was hitting the ground running, uh, got the equipment in. Equipment was just arriving, so we installed all that, did commissioning brews. So you were on the payroll at this stage? I was on the payroll when the, the day they sent me over yeah. to Boston. And does everyone brew beer the same, or do you have your opinion? Do you go into these big breweries, like like these six breweries, mm. and you sit there going, oh, what are you doing that way for? Why aren't you doing Does that happen? Well, you know, not – I don't think so much in those breweries. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they were large breweries. They're what we would refer to as brew pubs. Okay. So they're brewing beer on a on a small-ish system. Yeah. And they're serving all their beer over the counter okay. or over the bar. So yeah. if if you had, you know, 4,000 people in a week, you sold, you know, 10,000 beers. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. It's not like you set up a production brewery and you're sending bottles of beer out and send it and doing it in the millions. Okay. And so it was, I don't know, like the, the tanks, the tank size were, they would hold about 36 kegs each. Okay. So it's not, it's, it's not, not massive. It's not massive. Yeah. And the, and to put that in perspective, when I was working at Gordon Biersch, just what, five years earlier, mm-hmm. four years earlier, that the those tanks would hold 140 kegs. Oh, okay. So, and that was a 4,000 seat beer garden. Wow. 
It was so it was Big a German spice. German restaurant. Yeah, yeah. German beer garden. We made German beers, and it was slamming. <laughs> Pork knuckle, the whole everything. Oh, love a good German pub. So, um. So those breweries out in Boston weren't too big, which is going to be exactly the same as what I was going to be running. Yep. And and honestly, it was it was on par with the Shark Tooth Brewing. Mm-hmm. So you knew it. You, knew, you were pretty comfortable. Knew that size, that was fine. And and then you arrived back in Hawaii. Yep. And did we open? And yep, a couple of months later, so we brewed all the beer, trained up all the staff. Yeah. Um, uh, we got the recipes all. Uh, sorry, the um, the. The food recipes all locked down to what was what it was going to be, and we opened, and and that was good, and awesome. it, and we just kind of just went going, and the funny thing was, <clears throat> about three or four months into it, I I got wind of how much they spent on the fit out of the brewery, mm-hmm. and I was like, holy crap, you guys are going to go under, really? I was just I was just positive that just because of the amount of money they outlaid well that and and the other fundamental things that i knew about business and brew pubs and beer and restaurants and things like that which i in a a long time before i ever got my first job in 94 at gordon beers i'd always wanted to open up a brewery Mm -hmm. and the advice was brennan you're stupid go work (laughs) in a brewery first before you open it and i went so I had already done, I had some fundamental numbers in my head. Mm-hmm. So I'm there at, Gord, um, at Brew Moon, positive they're going to go under um, because they don't have enough seats. They're not serving enough beer. Their overheads are too high. And So do you share your concerns with your wife? I probably did. Mm-hmm. And a year later, after the, I think the second manager or maybe the third manager was in, which was another real telltale sign yeah, that course. they're firing managers yeah, because because they're not getting their numbers. They're up. not getting the numbers. Um, and I went to I went to one of the key people when they were out, and I said, "Are you guys going under?" Oh no, oh no, <laughs> we are not going under. This is solid. We you know because that the mother company had six other breweries, yeah, and they had this chicken franchise, like not Red Rooster, but similar, like a Boston version of. A chicken company. Okay. And so they were solid. Right? (laughs) (laughs) And about six months later or nine months later, whatever, I went back to the the management after I think maybe they changed uh, the (laughs) fifth manager. Yeah, something like that. And I said, hey, are are you guys going under? I've got, I've, you know, I've got a wife. I've got a rent. You know, we've got, um, I think, I can't remember if we had a kid on the way. Yeah. Quite possibly. Um, I know. i got a plan for this stuff. And they go, oh, no, no, everything's cool. <laughs> well, a couple of months later, they were under. Yeah. And I came home from work and I said to PETA, I said, I'm so bummed. Brew Moon's shutting down. They'll, they'll, be, they'll be closed in a week. No one's getting anything. All your vacation bays lost. All your, you know, they're not even paying you to the end of the week. It's just. It's just done. You're out of here. And she said, great. Let's, <laughs> let's buy the place. Love it. And Love I, the way your wife thinks. And so, and I was like, because they spent $3 million putting it together. Set it up, yeah. Yeah. And the six breweries out on the on the East Coast got snapped up by one other larger brew pub um, franchise. Yeah. 
So they, so they just wanted, they added another six pubs to their thing. It's a no brainer. They wanted nothing to do with the one outlier, which was in Hawaii. Yeah. And it went for less than 10 cents on the dollar. Wow. $250,000. Wow. And so with myself, uh, one of the managers that was there at the time, a silent investor, and then like a, um, uh, I guess another non-silent investor. Yep. Who's going to be a managing director or something. We bought it. And we, um, Pete and I didn't have the money to, to put into it. Yeah. But we got the money we needed. And what was it called? Well, it stayed operating as Brew Moon. Okay. But the, since we, we had to change the name of the, the LLC. Yeah, yeah. So it became Honolulu Brewing Company. Okay. And there it is. In the year 2000, Pete and I are... Brewery owners. Brewery owners. <laughs> <laughs> That's every Australian man's it was, ambition. <laughs> it was just an amazing um, set of events and that we had a family friend who believed in Pete and myself yeah. and was willing to loan us the money in uh, which we we scrimped and we didn't have any extracurricular activities. Yes. And we paid back all that money within a year. Yep. And he was happy and we were happy. And um, uh, the br- and it had gone from not making any money. Yes. Which wasn't the reason that the entire company went down. Because there, somewhere within the, in the chicken and the six breweries back on the East Coast, something went wrong. Yeah. So it wasn't this one brewery that drug things down, but they're definitely not making money. So we, um, and Peter came in as CFO mm-hmm. and, and, you know, analyzed the numbers and said, this is what we need to do in three months. Everything's in positive territory. Love it. And that's the way it ran for the next couple of years until Peter and I uh, made a, a mutual decision to uh, leave Hawaii with our two kids at the time. Mm-hmm. And come to Australia and and um and really to start another brewery. So did you keep the Honolulu Brewing Company? No, we thought uh, that since we'd be so far away, yeah, and we knew that if we without that day to day overlooking control, that you could just get ripped off. Yeah, definitely. There's, and so we just had a hundred percent sell out of it. Of course. The, um, was it a big decision to leave um, Hawaii? You know what? Not at the time. How old are the kids? Eight, at this stage? eight months and two. Okay. So was it was it to do with them as well? Like you wanted to bring them up here or anything? Uh, Peter wanted to. She wanted to. She was definitely thinking about Australian schools versus yeah, U.S. U.S. or I should oh, say Hawaii wow. schools. And the um, another thing was um, the overall economy in Hawaii was very tied into the Japanese economy. Okay. A lot of tourism from there and the, their economy was suffering. So there was a bit of a recession Mm -hmm. and so things weren't booming in Hawaii. They'd been booming at a lot of times, Yeah, but it wasn't booming at the time. Um, and we had tried to, although we had uh, a, um, a, uh, a limited percentage of the entire brewery, we still had the ambition to have 100% of our own brewery mm-hmm. and wanted to run our own thing our own way. Yeah, not have to worry about partners. Yeah, not, yeah not worry about partners. And so we had gone to 
go look for financial backing to get another brewery off the ground. In Hawaii or in, in Australia? Ha- in Hawaii. Okay. And the, the, the sentiment of investment was not high. Okay. When we came out to Australia, conversely, and we, um, and I, when we first came back, I worked, I put together a brewery for somebody else. Okay. And then a couple of years later, I put a bre- another brewery together for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So and, you were brewmaster. Back to your brewmaster days. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, then we started about two years after being here, we started putting uh, a business plan together. Mm-hmm. And then it came time to look for financial backing to help to execute that. Yeah. And we got way more money <laughs> in six weeks. Really? Then we, after looking for money for more than a year in Hawaii. Wow. That's so that, that was the, the economic um, situation in Australia. Yeah. Was way different to what was going on in Hawaii. And at the time, how big was craft beer in Australia? Was it just kicking off? It, or not even no, yet. no, you know, because I had, I had a meeting when I was out and, and Pete and I were getting married in 98. I had a meeting with, um, somebody from CUB, um, the, the, the directing manager or somebody, somebody high up the highest person that I could meet at CUB at the, at the Yatla brewery. Yeah. Uh, I had a meeting with him and he's, cause I had an idea about a craft beer and of course you need, money to build breweries of course and 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 i after pitching my idea to the guy he said brennan i've taken great pride in shutting down 18 of you little breweries <laughs> so get out of my office really it wasn't exact it wasn't yeah, like, yeah, get out of my office, but it's like i would rather he's he would rather shut down a brewery and they had a, in in behind cub um uh they had a thing called the graveyard yeah which is where all the defunct breweries that had they had pulled up and scrapped and thrown in the backyard so nobody got them that's yeah. how much they wanted to control the competition wow and that was in 98 that was 98 yeah wow he said i have personally shut down 18 <laughs> so it wasn't for lack of people trying yeah yeah it's that at some stage someone with a lot more money comes and offers you some money you take the check and, and they, they just shut it down they shut it down and that's how they controlled Competition. Wow. But there's got to be a turning point. Yeah. And after enough people have started breweries, and you, I guess you just can't buy up the world mm. to, to be a monopoly, or in that, in that case, a duopoly. Yeah, yeah. But so they started converting them, like um, at some stage, we brought, bought up Matilda Bay, and that made it their own brand. And they said, okay, well, if we can't beat them, we're going to join them. So they started their own craft yep. breweries. And so, and, 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 uh, Lion Nathan did that with, um, malt shovel with, mm-hmm. or James Squire. And they said, well, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to buy this brewery and we're going to make it our own brand. Yeah. Um, and, and they did that with the Han brewery. Han was a, was a, a brewery in Sydney. Yes. And they said, well, we're just going to buy it and take it. So they continue to do that. And they still, to this day, Still do it. They still do it. Um, and now, and both those breweries are not even Australian owned anymore. That's uh, CUB's now SAB Miller. Yeah. And, and Lion Nathan's Kieran. Yeah. So which, is owned, which is owned by Mitsubishi. Yeah. 
And didn't they just Mitsubishi planes? Didn't they bomb Darwin? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. The irony. <laughs> so we've come back and we've now got our business plan done. We've got some funding. You've raised a heap of money in six weeks. Yep. You're living in Burley at the time? Where are you living? Yep, living in Burley. Okay. And that's for the lifestyle choice? Yeah. That okay. was because it was we were uh, seven minutes away from the beach. Yep. You know, I could drive down to Burley and, and park and be in the water in, you know, in 10 minutes. Yeah. That was good. And then we're going to we're planning to put the kids in the local school. Yeah, so they were in the local daycare for years. Um, I think at that time, well, up until 2006, I was still commuting to Brisbane to brew because I had four, um, for another company, I, you know, I was, I put in their equipment, designed, yeah. designed their recipes. And then Peter's, Peter was working, um, at Bonn University as their in-house lawyer at the time. Oh, okay. Uh, of course, she had a law degree to fall back on. Cause, and, we, and we, you know what we did? We had a business at that time, but we didn't have to work in it. It was uh, uh, Peter's father was, uh, I guess, helping us out with that. Mm-hmm. So we had a water company okay. at the time. And so things were, things were moving. And, mm. um, and ultimately, I think, but really the, the main plan was to get that brewery up and running, but not before we kind of had sussed out the Australian market, where it was going, what it was doing. Was there a, an appetite for craft beer? Mm-hmm. And we, we, with what we knew about in the U.S. and what we knew about the Gold Coast, which was you had half a million people, mm-hmm. you had no brewery, and uh, uh, Hawaii had a million people and had 14 breweries. <laughs> there you go. So it was a no-brainer. Yeah. And, what, you know, we, the, the, uh, the southern <laughs> Gold Coast or Northern Gold Coast, you know, this area, the Southeast Queensland area is crying. Well, as far as I was concerned, was yeah, crying out for um, craft beer. And if you look at Brisbane, Brisbane didn't have a production brewery besides Forex. Mm-hmm. They had a little tiny brew pub on Albert Street on the second floor. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I can't remember. Oh yeah, and then there's a little, little, tiny, itty bitty one in Spring Hill. That nothing to write home about. It's it was just like it was nothing. Yeah. And so we thought, okay, so, I mean, Brisbane didn't have a craft brewery, a real one, mm. and so we were going to start it and get things going. And it, and if you looked at the the entire state of Queensland, there's the Townsville Brewery, which was a brew pub. Yep. Um, there was the Sunshine Coast Brewery. Uh, which was a basically a brew pub, and then there was us, and then CUB and Lion Nathan. Wow, five in breweries the state. in total in the state. Apparently, someone told me I don't know two weeks ago, three weeks ago that there's now ninety breweries in Queensland. I was oh like, wow, really? Where <laughs> there's that escalation point you <laughs> were like, talking about? Holy smokes! Is there? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but my head's I guess my head's in a vat. Yeah, exactly. On day to day. Uh, you know, operations of the brewery. So we started Burley Brewing Co. Mm. What year, date? What was the date? 2006. Yeah. Um, PETA had left her law job in May 2006. Mm-hmm. 
we broke ground in August. I left my job yep. in October 2006. And the plan was to be brewing um, uh, January 2007. The um, So physically, we had boilers coming in. We're Drains going in the ground, uh, pipework going overhead. They're building this from scratch. Oh, yeah. This is, so it was an empty block of land? Uh, no, it was an empty uh, uh, tilt slab. Okay, yep. You know, coring holes, everything you could possibly imagine. <laughs> uh, building the furniture. Yeah. <laughs> the whole shebang. <laughs> building the bar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, everything from from the you know ground up. And, you so know, the original I'd, business plan, is it for a brew pub? No, it was for a production brewery. A production brewery, okay. Yeah, so we had a bottling line coming. Mm-hmm. We had um, uh, the, the brewing equipment coming um, uh, and fermentation tanks and, and things like that, filters. Everything's, everything's coming. Yeah. And um, there were some things held up along the way. Um, bottling line um, got held up for various reasons. The uh, the brew house got held up for various reasons, mm-hmm. and so instead of actually opening up and brewing in January like we planned, it was a it was actually a really big um, setback for us. Mm-hmm. It things didn't arrive until four months later. Oh wow! And so it really, it, and then of course we're paying rent out the yeah, whole time, of course. and we were we're at the mercy of these two manufacturers across in the other side of the world. Yeah, and. Um, are they the only manufacturers? No, they're not the only ones. But you know, the once once you've chosen yeah, and you've put down down <laughs> down deposits. Yeah, you're waiting. You're waiting for wow. for for those guys. So then the, the, everything arrives. Everything arrives. Put it all together, um, and there's commissioning. You know, we we have the the people coming out uh, from the manufacturers mm-hmm. commissioning their pieces of equipment, teaching us how to run them. Yep, things like that. And then we're off and brewing. So when when's the first day you put the first bit of water in one of those tanks? Uh, well, the, the first is that exciting? Do you the, smash champagne on the side of the tank or something? Definitely not. <laughs> the the uh, the very first um, uh, brew was in May. Okay, so, so we're, like, we're like the, literally five months overdue. Yeah, the first of May or second of May or something yeah. like that. And um, and then that would have been exciting though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was it was, and 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 at the time it was um, Peter and myself. Okay, just the two of us. Just the two of us, and I. And was, the kids would be a bit older by this stage. Yeah, so they're at school. Uh, yeah, could it, one one could have been in school. Yeah, and we're there still working twenty four seven, getting the brewery off. Yeah, the and so it's hard times. Yeah, yeah. So we're juggling two little kids, and mm-hmm. and um, and of course, when Peter left her law job and I left my brewing job, and we put the house up for collateral mm-hmm. on. Um, on the brewery, and the kids' entire future was based on the parents succeeding in this brewery in an unknown market. Wow! And when we opened up the brewery, if I I always felt if I opened this up in any town, Hawaii or any town, California, that you know of a half a million people, you would have had a line about the door yeah. a mile long. And I just, when we opened up the doors, it was like crickets. Really? And I was, I was like, oh, geez, 
this is this is not how <laughs> I imagined. Not what it. I expected. Yeah. Yeah. And it was um, it was a long time before it was you know shaking a lot of hands mm-hmm. and telling people people about craft beer like going okay Southeast Queensland has not seen craft beer before, and I had, I had a couple, you know, real negative comments. Uh, one of them was um, I'll, I'll leave the swearing out of it. No, that's fine. You can swear on this podcast. No problem <laughs> at all. Bring it on. Well, the guy said, if you're not brewing fucking Forex, why'd you open a fucking brewery up? I was like, whoa. I was like, serious? That's so Queensland. I was like, serious? <laughs> why would I drink any other piss than Forex? I was <laughs> like, oh, dude. We're making authentic styles that have been around, you know, you know, some of them are 500 years old. Some of them are 100 years old. <laughs> we, we brew with uh, uh, natural ingredients. We don't do that high gravity, you know, commercial beer brewing stuff. And. It, he didn't yeah. give a shit to say. <laughs> but, but I had to retell that story yeah. 30, 40,000 times. And I had to tell it like it was the first time I ever said it. Mm-hmm. I had to say that with excitement yeah. and, and um, conviction that craft beer is better for you. It's better for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better for the economy. It's better for uh, your health. It's better for... Anything that it's just better. It's just better. And what? So when did people start walking in the door? Well, people were coming, but not not in the numbers that not in the droves you expected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and we had people come in. And they go, oh, you know, I like your beers, but do you have a dark beer? I go, not yet, but it's coming. So what beer did you have? What we, did you so open we, with? we started off um, with three beers. One was a um, a European lager. What was that called? Um, Duke. Duke, yeah. Premium lager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that Duke because of the Hawaiian no, heritage? No, no. Oh, okay. It was Duke because um, it's going back to the uh, German or English, you know, dukedoms. Duke and Duster. Duke, yeah, Duke because and the Duke was the, the leader of a region. He wasn't the king of the country. Mm-hmm. He was the leader of the region. And, and most breweries, most craft beers, you know, kind of are a regional base. So if, and this goes back, you know, hundreds of years, yeah, yeah. if the people, the people would drink the beer of the town yes. or the beer of the region. And if you go to Germany, every single town you go in yeah. has their own brewery and that you drink that beer when you're in that town. Mm-hmm. So we thought, okay, so it's, this is not a far-fetched thing, you know, to say a Duke is regional leader. And so we're right now, we're the only brewery in the region. We're the leader. Yeah. So we made a European lager because, and this had to do when I was working up at the um, uh, the Oxford Brewing Company in in Brisbane from 2002 to 2006. Um, I designed about 50 beers over that four years. We'd have six or eight beers on all the time, and then we'd have two or three rotating beers. Mm-hmm. And the things that sold best in that market were a pale ale, an American style pale ale. Uh, European lager and a mid strength. Okay, those were the three top. So you've done your homework. So that's what we're going to serve yeah. when we first open. We, well, you know what? This is not not a bad thing to start yeah. off with. It kind of you know covers the Queensland mid strength thing. Mm-hmm. It got it has the taste of the lager, although it's it's more flavorful. It's mm-hmm. less. It doesn't have the cane sugar like the Australian lagers did. And pale ale, which is the kind of the biggest up, you know, craft beer that the U.S was producing at the time. Okay. And that was like the the base of the um craft brewery revolution in the US. It was the pale ale. Was the pale ale. Yeah. So, this, so what so we got Duke, what are the other two? So they're they're Duke, Duke and Duke. 
They're all Duke. They're Duke Pale Ale, Duke okay. European Lager, and Duke Midstrength. By Burley Brewing Co. Yep. Yeah. And um, we, um, when we, and people would say, do you, do you have a wheat beer? And we go, no, we don't have wheat beer. And they would say, oh, do you have a low carb beer? No. No. Why, why would you, why would a craft beer brewery make a low carb beer? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, anyway. So we, but we took that information on board from everyone that came in. And this, these are the three beers people were asking us for a wheat beer, a dark beer, and a low carb. So um, I'd made a lot of wheat beers in my life. And so we had another one going right away, which was uh, Hef. Yep. Short for Hefeweizen, which is German wheat beer. Okay. We all thought that was due to Hefner, as in Playboy, Hugh Hefner. Oh. That's where, that's where, that's where we all thought Hef was from. Oh, no. Hef's, Hef is short for. <laughs> Hefeweizen, hefe meaning yeast, and weizen meaning wheat. So it's there a you go. it's a wheat a wheat beer with yeast. Well, we all bought it because we thought it was Playboy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Bit of news. And we thought Duke was from Hawaii. Hef was Hugh Hefner, and and that style has been around for six hundred years. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Hefeweizen. So it was Hugh Hefner, <laughs> six hundred yes, year old. <laughs> that's not far off. <laughs> um, tish. Um, we um, we and what was the third one? So we did um, My Wife's Bitter, yeah. which was an English-style bitter, not like a Victoria Bitter or a Forex Bitter, but an authentic ale, darker, maltier. And one of the best names ever for a beer. Yes, and my wife named that. Did she? Yes. Love it. And then Big Head, which which was 13 months in um, um, development because okay. we're trying to find a flavorful way to get a low-calorie beer. And that was the biggest challenge. Uh, and that's why, and it, it was 13 months in development. And so a we, lot of people still to this day, when I drink Big Head, mm -hmm. sit there and go, there's no way you can have a beer with zero carbs. Mm. Because obviously they've got to put sugar in and they've got to put all well, the bits in. So, well, well, one, we don't put sugar in any of our beers. <laughs> well, there you cause, go. Because anyone has uh, has any, oh, I don't know, gumption or yep. mouse or, or uh, anyway, some word that I can't think of right now. yeah. Would never brew with sugar. Okay. You know, sugar's not part of beer. There you go. It's just another cheap ingredient that you'd put in to thin things out and to stretch the things because you didn't use, use enough malted barley. And malted barley is the flavor of beer. Okay. That's the base. Um, so 13 months yep. during that process. Yep. And then you, you, it comes out and you think, actually, I found it now. This is it. Yeah. Is that the way it works? Yeah, yeah. It well well along the way we we were sending um sending the beers off to the laboratory, you know you have to send it off to a certified laboratory because what we're trying to do is, and we couldn't test for it we didn't have the the ability is was the, the plan low carbs or no carbs the plan was low carb low carb yeah okay and we sent it away and it, you know the carbs are getting lower and then a couple of months later it's going to get lower and then we sent it away one time the, the results came back and it said oh there's no carbs and I went oh crap now I got to figure out what the hell I did wrong. And of course, the smart one of the family, <laughs> the wife, the wife, she goes, no, figure out what you did. And this will be Do a it no carb beer. It's like, oh, oh, OK. <laughs> I get it. Anyway, so we figured out what we did and wasn't. It turns out it's not one thing. It's it was many things. It was like 40 things that we did through the process. Uh -huh. You know, it was, it was multigrain. Um, sorry. Uh, Grist to water ratios, milling technique, the type of yeast we use, how long it's been in the louder ton, how long it's been in the mash ton, fermentation time, and, and a bunch of other um, things, the variables that added up to the end result. 
and but the end result was trying to get a beer that had flavor. The thing that a lot of people say, oh, you can't have no carbohydrates in beer because there's sugar in it. Well, in in the natural fermentation, the the yeast consumes the carbohydrate that's derived from the malted barley and reduces that carbohydrate and it turns it into alcohol, right? So under normal circumstances, you have around 80 80 to 85% of that just consumed no matter what. Then you create these other um, interferences Mm -hmm. to, to make it so that the yeast can consume all of the available sugars Thereby, there's no carbohydrate because that gets formed into alcohol. So what you have, the calories, the 88 calories yeah. from, is from alcohol. Oh, wow. So you have, no, you have no calories from carbohydrate, fat, or protein, which are the three things that you know, you'll find in food. Yeah. But the thing you don't find in food is alcohol. So you have calorie content from alcohol, but zero um, residual carbohydrates or what people might refer to as sugars, mm-hmm. but not processed cane sugar like yeah of course you think of like in your home brew kits wow and so is there protein in beer in 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 in, big head in the in a negligible manner yes because because my my doctor told me that i should drink protein shakes and then he actually then told me that big head has protein in it and so if you have 20 big heads the equivalent of a protein shake so i've gone home to my wife and i said honey the doctor said I have to have a protein shake every day. And she turned around and went, well, that's a really good idea. I said, actually, what I've got to do is have 20 big heads every day to, uh, to get the protein. She didn't agree with no. it, but I thought it was a great idea personally. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we've now got the brewery. We're up and running. We've got the new beers in. Yep. Are we successful at this stage? Have, uh, we, got the, have we got the hock off the house yet? No. Okay. Uh, so and it was about uh, 2012, late 2011, early th- 2012. We have to start investing into more equipment. We'd finally grown into our brewery. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we'd, we had outgrown our bottling line. And our originally bottling line was doing about 35 bottles a minute. Mm-hmm. And we had to go faster than that. We had to go double that. Or, you know, we got something that did 65 bottles a minute. And so that was the first part of our expansion. And then we realized we needed to put more tanks in. So we were taking money that we... I guess for the lack of a better term, we made. Yeah. And we just dumped Bring it, it back into the business. Put it back into the business because yeah. we had we had to grow the business. And then so that started the the what I'm gonna call the continual expansion of the brewery mm-hmm. since late two thousand and same premises? Same premise. Mm-hmm. And in fact we had that we had a two five year leases. And so we were on that, that first location for ten years. Wow. Um and at year seven, we realized we could see what was going to happen in three years. We said, we're going to outgrow this location that we're at. Mm-hmm. And we first started off, it was a U-shaped tilt slab um, unit, industrial unit block. Yep. And we had four units, which is, equals about uh, 8,000, no, 800, sorry, 800 square meters. And then we added the fifth then a sixth, then a seventh, then the eighth, and ninth. And by the end of it, we're at 11. Mm-hmm. And so that was about 1,500 something square meters. Yeah. And, and we said, well, we need to find a place that will house all of our equipment plus new equipment plus future expansion. And we couldn't find 
any place in Burley that was that size. So we actually had to split it into two different locations. Our brewery production unit and tap house, mm-hmm. which is where we receive the public, and that's where everyone can see the pretty shiny stuff. Yeah. And then we have our warehouse where the trucks and the beer stored. And then the, and the distribution goes from there. Mm-hmm. So we split into two things. They're both they're only 200 meters, 300 meters from where, where we originally started off. So it's still in Burley. Yeah. And that was a big thing for us not to move out of Burley. Yeah. yeah. Burley Brewing can't be in Southport. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nothing against Southport. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so during this time, you've gone from being Duke. Um, to then actually then a few more breweries are starting to move into the coast. And do you see, do you see them as competition or are you well, let's, encouraging put, this? Can I put a couple of things into perspective? Of course you can. Is, um, so we had been around 10 years and still there's no breweries. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in 2000, let's see, either 2012 or 2013, the first craft beer bar opened up on the Gold Coast. Oh, really? So where, where was that? That was Bine. Okay. So we're still talking six years after we yeah, opened. Yeah. It's a long time. Amazing, isn't it? To think, and now people to go, oh, craft beer is everywhere. Yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. So still, we had been here 10 years and no other brewery had opened. Wow. So we did our, we had to move. And so, like I said, about year seven, yep. we started planning, planning the move. So, you know, it takes a little while to move a brewery. Of course. And, and of course it takes time to have, get the equipment made and manufactured and then, then shipped and then, then installed. And of course we had to dig up, um, dig up and put new drains. So we had to build a whole new brewery from scratch Yeah. again. And all the engineering and architecture that goes into that. And it wasn't until after we were already in our new facility that I think maybe even a year after that, someone opened up. Okay. So it was, I think we we're in year 11. Wow. And then that's and when we're the first in, one We're happened. in year, well, we're just coming up to, what is it, 13 years? Yes, I know. It was only so, two years ago. Or maybe it's three years ago. So you was know? that Black Hops? Was that Dan and the boys? Uh, no. Um, it would have, Balter oh, okay, would have Balter. been. Yeah. First, because that's in that's in Burley as well, isn't it? No, that's in Corumban. In Corumban, okay, yeah. And do you see them as competition, or are you encouraging it? Well, I'm not. I'm not going to say um, encouraging, but and competition's the wrong word. the The thing about it is, the more craft breweries there are, the more people are aware of the beers, and and as the public is taking to it. Yes. And so that, that base of people who drink craft beers is expanding. Of course, yeah. Um, the problem that we're having for a long time is that if you had a pub, let, let's just say um, ABC um, pub, mm-hmm. one of the two large breweries would go in and they'd purchase the taps. Yes. they say, here's, here's a check, or however they want to do it. It rebates, checks. Mm-hmm. And they say, but we own all your taps. So you can only buy our beer. So when you go into ABC Pub and they say, "Hey, we've got some great burly beer," yeah. they go, "Sorry, as much as we want to, we can't mm-hmm. because we are we are we are we're a CUB pub. We are bound, <laughs> whatever, yeah, by um, our our greed for money." And, and so bound we, by our greed for money. So I we love it. so we need to deny the public from choice. Yes. And that's what it is. It's not giving 
if you go, if you walked into a bar in, well, let me put it into perspective, San Francisco, San Diego, Seattle, along the East coast, sorry, West coast of the U S yeah. 75% of all the beer drink in those towns is craft. 75% because it's illegal for Budweiser or Coors or Miller to go in and purchase taps. Okay. It's not illegal in Australia for this taps to be purchased. So you've so got you have freedom taps. of choice. You've got taps now in oh, bars. Yeah, yeah, we do. And do that, you have to buy them? No. Okay. That's kind of a, something that we don't do. We're not playing the game. That game. Yeah. Fair it's cool. like what the people want the beer. Yes. Place pubs, cafes, restaurants, ourselves. They they should be carrying the beer because that's going to be drawing in the drinkers who want different things to drink. So it's a change of perspective for yeah. the pub. And so if we can, at one stage, there, if, a tap, if, a, if a pub had 12 taps, there might have been only zero or maybe one. And then you have 10 breweries fighting over one tap. One tap. Mm-hmm. That's not good. What we need to do is get 10 taps opened up, yeah. and then everybody gets a tap. That's And is that where we are now? No. Not yet? No, no. How far we're far from, from that. that. We're far from that. We still are. Yep. Which is sad. We need to get the big players. Something's got to change fundamentally with the law, which stops. So is that government? It Are could, you guys lobbying them, or what, well, what's you know, the story there's there? a, there's a there's a independent brewers association which is you know lobbying. I can't say everything what they're no, lobbying. Of course, on. yeah. But um, yeah, we're trying to change 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 the playing field in some in some instances, mm-hmm. but also some, some people, they go, okay, my five-year contract with, you know, big brewery a is up and I'm not going to resign because now I can see, I can, I can make more money and I can get more people in the door because they want the beer that you actually want to drink. Yeah. Cause yeah, you do that. You don't actually think about it. You, you avoid that pub cause they haven't got the beer you like. You go to that pub cause they do have the beer. You like. And in back in the U S um, when I go to places, I go to places because they have a certain beer on tap. Of course. And I want to go there and enjoy that beer and that, and that music and do that thing. So we're 13 years in. Are we now happy where we are? Obviously, you've been happy along the way. Are oh, yeah. we still struggling? Are we, are we're not, we now? Not a, struggling. No. Uh, so does that mean now we're, we're, we're here for long term, we're here for life type thing? Oh, yeah. you got to say that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, we're kind of. Because you're going to get to a point where you think, whew, had enough of that. <laughs> we're we're, we're kind of making plans three years out. Three years out, yeah. Um, and if, I could, if I could change one thing, I'd say, you know, both the kids would be interested in taking over the brewery. <laughs> and they're but, not. But I don't have anything to do with it. <laughs> so, it's quite fun there at school. What's your dad do? He owns a brewery. Oh, cool. Yeah, what are you going to do? Not that. <laughs> yeah. No. So. Two questions I've got for you before I wrap this up. One is, where did the name Big Head come from and the logo? Uh, is that your wife again? No, no. Big Head. Well, so we got um, – we needed some help with them, some name and some branding and some artwork because Pete and I aren't artistic types. And um, Phil, who helped us out way back in um, – I don't know. When we were developing My Wife's Bitter mm-hmm. and um, Hef yep. and Big Head. He came to us, and he had he had a he he had ten people on his staff, and he said, "Here, everyone drew up a, a drawing of a label, 
and 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 everyone came up with a different name. Uh-huh. And so what, this big head one went down, and and the big head was named after the big headland in Burley Heads. Very cool. Because it used to be Burley, like it was in big and Burley. Yeah, yeah. Headland, not Burley. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, which was you know much more sophisticated. Of course, yes. Um, so so the big head is the big the big headland. Okay, and so the and from. the um, and the baby with the, the big head. Not a baby. Sorry, it's a small person with a big head, <laughs> and you'll notice he has a four pack. Okay, quite muscular, yeah. and he's got the budgie smugglers. Yeah, for because he's very sportif. Okay. <laughs> um, it was from a local artist in Brisbane awesome. who came up with that drawing. Who was working with um, I can't remember Phil's company at the time, because and he did quite a few uh, labels with us over the years. Yeah, and it was really fun working with him. Uh, they came up with that and then presented it to us, and and we just Pete and I just loved it straight so away. That was that is the guy. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a great craft beer label. Oh, definitely, definitely. Now, what's your favorite beer in the world? And if you had to have a beer right now, we're sat here. What would it be? Well, um, I don't say forex. I could say okay, I could come <laughs> with a bunch of things. Um, if if I could have a beer. That was no longer well. Maui Brewing Company used to make this beer called Big Wave. Okay. The brewmaster changed. The brewery changed. A lot of things changed, and it's no. They still make the beer name Big Wave. It's not the same. It's beer. not the same. But that would have been on the tops of my favorite beer in the world. And have you tried to recreate that? Uh, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. No, I kind of. I I I was good friends with the brewmaster that was doing it, and. He told me a bunch of things he did with it. I was like, "Oh, that's nice," but I've never really, never really done that. Never really done it. But uh, that's it's his thing. It's a big wave. Big wave. Or, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Big swell. Big swell. Big swell. Big wave is a beer from Kona. Oh, okay. Yeah, got those two mixed up. <laughs> so big swell's the big swell, the number one from, beer ever tasted from Maui. And then if like if you went out to Germany, let's get, let's say we're going to Munich. Mm-hmm. We're going to Munich next week, by the way. Oh, nice. Um, and a, great time of year to go to Munich. <laughs> the, the Augustiner makes a beer called Edelstorf, mm-hmm. and you have gotta love Edelstorf. That's Edelstorf. A, Edelstorf. Okay. It translates into noble stuff. Okay. So like in noble hops. So yep. the, the growing region in the, that hop area is called the Hollatau region. They grow Hollatau Middelfur and. And some other varieties, and those are considered to be noble hops because they have a one-to-one um, uh, uh, oil ratios. Okay. Anyway, well, my favorite German beer is Polena. Yeah, Polana. Yeah. Polana. Yeah. Like so that it, so, so that's in Munich as well. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. So we went to Munich Beer Festival, and we got taken into this particular tent because we didn't want to go to the Australian tent. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it was the Polana tent, and oh, it was amazing. It's, but uh, but you know the funny thing when you go to the Oktoberfest. And you drink the Paul Honor in the tent. Yeah, it's not Paul Honor. Oh, isn't it? What is it? It's a special beer they make once a year year for the Oktoberfest. So it's made by Paul Honor. Yeah, yeah. But it's not their. It's not the one I get here. It's, that's right. So it did taste different. It was much nicer. Yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. And, and that, so that's and that's they do that every yeah, single yeah. tent. All seven of those tents make a special beer. For that October for that Oktoberfest. Wow. I never knew that either. Yeah. Okay. The way I love to finish these is with some really quick fire questions. Yep. Greatest achievement in life? Uh, my family. The personal people who had the most influence on you personally? Uh, <laughs> uh, I can't remember his last name, but Philip, a brewmaster from Germany, 
um, David Bryant, uh, yeast biologist, um, uh, Chris White, yeast biologist. Okay. Favorite food? I'd have to say fish. Fish? Particular fish? I don't know. I grew up, uh, you know, fishing off the back of the boat. <laughs> so whatever come in. Yeah, whatever <laughs> I caught. Favorite song? Oh, I'm gonna have to clean that one up. Um, <laughs> I can't. I don't. Uh, yeah. Uh, what I, popped in your head? Then? I can, Come on. <laughs> well, there was a a band from uh, the Subhumans. Uh, sorry, a, a song from the Subhumans. Uh, it was my favorite song for a long time when I was not married. Uh, but can I just say favorite band? <laughs> yeah, favorite band. Guar. Guar. Yeah. What do they sing? All what kinds. sort of music? Oh, it's kind of grungy, grungy punk rock. Okay. Stuff. Favorite place in the world? Ooh, I'm gonna say. Waikiki. Waikiki. Beautiful. So I love that place. Beautiful part of the world. And what's next? Um, working on the expansion of the brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in a phase right now. We're putting in more tanks and more things and, um, and, and making. Here's another big thing that uh, the challenge that I get put with all the time mm-hmm. is make our best beer ever. They haven't done that yet? Uh, we've done it. What's your, what is it? And then they go, make one better. <laughs> and then we do it again, and they go, make one better. So just keep going. Yeah, so we have a we have a pilot plant system. Yeah. And every week we brew new beers on the pilot plant, so you'd have to come do, to the brew house. Mm-hmm. and Because and we only make five kegs of it. Okay. So you have to come to the brewery. Yeah. And you have to drink it there. What day? We open Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. And every week. We've got changing beers. I'm going to bring the team down, Mm -hmm. and we're going to come and try those beers. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Well, thanks so much. I've I've learned lots about beer. How cool is that? Awesome. As far as I'm concerned, you're an awesome human. Thanks, Brennan. Thank you very much for having me. No worries. Cheers, mate. Bye. Cheers. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. And what an amazing human. Don't forget to hit us up on all the social channels at BJ Macker, and look out for more Meteorate podcasts.